Hello, this is Dylan Pappenfuss, and welcome to the Financial Executive Podcast. Technologies and techniques such as robotics, machine learning, natural language processing, and blockchain present a defining opportunity for the finance function. However, companies that have not adequately invested in data will find their digital transformation efforts frustrated. The Financial Education Research Foundation is working on a report with EY to help senior level financial executives better understand data strategy and quality needed for their digital transformation. Today we're speaking with Professor David Waterman, an adjunct lecturer at Georgetown University and a data scientist at UGroup. for being here today, Professor Waterman. Um, oh, thank you for having me. Um, so, starting off, what are some of the ways that low-quality data impacts an organization? So, the issue with low-quality data is just that it's going to take more effort to make it useful, um, and so there's going to be an increased time and increased t- cost at every step along the way, you know, to load that data, to analyze it, to process it, to use it for making decisions, all of those things are going to be more difficult and more complicated um, as the data quality degrades. Uh, and so like, just a real simple example, if, you, uh, if your neighbor's kid comes next over to you and asks you to uh, help out with her lemonade stand and asks you to look over her financials, you know, if she comes to you with an Excel spreadsheet, you know, you think, oh, this is great. She's got her, her uh, business in order. I can just kind of look it over and tell her where, uh, where she's doing well and where she needs to improve. But then when you get, start taking a closer look, if you see that maybe 10% of the fields are missing from the spreadsheet, or if you notice that, you know, some of the columns, the names don't really make sense. Maybe they're abbreviated and you can't figure out what they are. Or if you're looking and notice that some of the columns, the data is not consistent. Some of the fields have numbers in them. Some of them have, you know, words in them. All of those things are going to make it more difficult for you to figure out what the data is telling you. And those are real examples of the kinds of data that we see every day. So, you know, it's not uncommon for me to see a data set where 10% of the fields are missing. And that doesn't mean that that data is useless. It just means that I have to do a lot more work to kind of impute what could be there. What does that missing data mean, and how can I work around it or work with it? Um, And so all of those things are going to slow down the work that you do. They're probably going to have to um, involve a lot more conversations between the involved parties. You know, and so if uh, if that's a difficult communication to make, then that's going to slow you down even more. All of those things are going to result in less accuracy in your results, um, less clarity in your decisions, less detail in your conclusions, and so that's going to lead to missed opportunities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, you mentioned that you know you get this data that's incomplete or it's messy. Um, what are some of the reasons why data? What are some reasons why data can be of poor quality? Um, the most common reason would be because it was input by a person and that there was no validation done when that data was inputted. So 
If you allow people to enter data manually and you don't have any checks on that data before it gets stored, you're going to see some really crazy stuff. Um, you can have data validation that lets stuff through, and that can be a problem too. Um, but really, you need to architect your data structures from the very beginning with uh, a knowledge and understanding of what's going to be going into the, those fields so that you can set clear limits um, so that it makes it much more difficult for you know, individuals to enter in poor data. Um, you can still have data quality issues from data that comes automatically. You know, so maybe you can think about uh, you have a, a computer server somewhere that's running and it's making records over time. Um, and maybe the network connection goes down and so you lose a day's worth of data from that server. So those things happen too. Sometimes it's unavoidable. Um, but the biggest problem that we see generally comes from when an individual has the ability to enter data on their own. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Um, a lot of that, a lot of what we've heard in our interviews thus far is that uh, that manual data, while it's really messy to uh, input and it's really tough, and you have to have a lot of controls around it, can also um, be some of the most compelling data. Um, oh, absolutely. So, the, the closer that you are to the person who's going to be using the data, or making use of the data or the closer you are to the person who uh, works with that data and understands it, the more inf informative it's going to be for you. So um, being able to have like a direct contact with the people who are working daily with the data is gonna give you a much stronger understanding of what the data really means and represents. Um, so being able to shorten that feedback loop, you know, kind of between the, the person doing the analysis and the person who's gathering that data is always great. That's interesting. Thank you. Um, moving on to the next question, what are the key things for financial executives to consider when you know formulating an organizational data strategy? So some kind of um, big ideas to consider are that the best time to start collecting data is always right now, because in the future you're going to want to have as much of it as possible. Um, and you're going to want to be able to go back in time as far as possible. So if you think that there's a possibility that you could make use of a certain set of data in the future, the best time to start getting that data is now. And as you are collecting that data, you'll start seeing things, and that, that will inform what you choose to do moving forward. You know, maybe you decide that you need to change your data collection strategy. Maybe uh, you need to change your data storage strategy. Or maybe you just discover that um, the data isn't going to give you the answers you thought it was, right? But you don't know any of those things unless you start collecting it and start seeing it. So our recommendation is always start collecting the data as soon as you can. Um, along with that, the earlier in the data pipeline that you can make uh, cleaning to the data, that you can um, fix errors in the data, that you can uh, validate the data, then the easier and cheaper it's going to be for you to use that data later on. Uh, you know, like we were talking about before, we can always go back and try to clean the data up after the fact, um, but it's always cheaper and faster to do it as early in, in the process as possible. Um, and kind of following on with, to that idea, you know, data has a big time cost. 
right? So the further back in time you go, the more informative that that data is going to be and the more um, rich it will be, right? So if you can collect it right the first time around, you're going to be able to continue using it over and over as, as you collect more and more data. Um, so from a data scientist's perspective, those are the things that I'm most concerned about. You know, we would, I would also think about it from a data architect perspective, which would be asking how much data are we getting, where is it coming from and where is it going to go to, and what's the most efficient way that we're going to be able to access it. You know, the whole point of collecting this data is that we want to answer questions with it, right? And so being able to know the types of questions you're going to get asked from the very beginning will help you decide how to construct your storage solution and how to construct, um, you know, the interface that analysts and um, the people accessing the data are going to be able to use. That's fascinating. Thank you. Um, a follow-up there. Um, external data is currently an underutilized asset for a lot of organizations. Um, what, do they, what do they need to know when looking at incorporating more external data? So I think maybe my, my first thought would be about the um, complexities of data integration. Um, so one problem that I run into all of the time is that when you have data sources uh, collected by different organizations uh, or by different people for different reasons, you know, the, the way that that data is structured is going to be different. And being able to unify those disparate data sets is going to be a challenge. May, you know, if we're talking about time series data, maybe the way that the dates and the times are recorded in the two data sets will be different. Um, mm -hmm. Or if we're talking about comparing company data, maybe the way that the names of the companies are represented will be different. And um, so I think it's important to keep in mind that anytime you're incorporating an external data set that you don't have control over, that it, there's going to be some additional cost there in making that data sync with the data that you have on your own. That's fascinating, thank you. Um, kind of moving, shifting gears here, um, you know, data was really a part of the finance function um, at the beginning, but then uh, it just kind of got moved out, shuffled uh, into its own corner. Um, but that really needs to come back. There's that. Uh, there's a lot of benefit to having finance employees that are fluent in data. Um, so how can companies best train their existing finance employees, you know, to have that data quality fluency? Um, you know, I am not a, f a finance person myself, but I would imagine that the people in those positions probably already have their own intuitive understanding of data quality because if you are working with that data daily, then you already know the challenges and problems that go along with it. So mm -hmm. I think from my perspective, I wouldn't necessarily um, be worried about training the finance employees to recognize data quality, but maybe more being able to um, communicate their understandings of the data with the rest of the team. You know, the, the technical side of the team 
might have different ways of explaining the problems that they're having with data quality than the finances, finance people would have. Um, but they're all experiencing the same challenges. Um, so I think I would, I would imagine that the, the bigger focus should be on bringing that team closer together and having them work more tightly coupled so that there is a stronger communication um, from both sides so that they can understand each other's perspectives better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. Thank you. Um, kind of an overarching question on data quality um, and data quality management strategy. How does the relationship between people, technology, and processes impact data quality management? I think that um, teamwork and office relationships are important to everything in an organization, and that their importance in data quality really is not any different. You know, um, analysts who feel empowered to make decisions and to communicate their findings um, are going to be more effective within the organization um, than people who feel that they don't have the power to speak up when they see things that they think need to be changed or improved. Um, and so I think creating an organization where the people who are working directly with the data, you know, the people who are kind of at the bottom of the food chain, have the ability to communicate up and let those above them understand the challenges and strengths that they are experiencing will allow the entire organization to grow better. And it's kind of similar to the, the themes that we've been talking about with these um, other topics where the people who are working with the data are going to be able to give you the best insight about it. And opening the channel of communication between them and the rest of the organization is going to improve everyone. Corollary to that, how do companies best establish a high quality data culture? I would say that uh, one of the important things to keep in mind is that data quality is something that has a cost, you know, like most things in business. If you want to improve it, you have to be willing to pay for it. Um, and so you're going to be changing processes or you might need to be changing um, some, some technical support that you have. Whatever it is that you're going to be doing to create this high-quality data culture is going to require an investment from the company. And, you know, there's a financial component to that investment, and there's also a professional component to that investment, you know, which is similar mm -hmm. to what we were just talking about, where you want to um, be able to empower those people within your organization to be able to you know, make the important decisions that are going to give you the opportunities to grow your data practice. Last question, what are best practices in driving data transformation? So I think with um, data transformation, you're talking about large-scale projects. And yeah. whenever we're doing you know, a large data project, we really always want to come back to thinking about what are the questions that we are trying to answer? Or, you know, depending on the circumstances, maybe what are the user problems that we're trying to solve with our data? 
you have to keep those things in mind from the very beginning because those will really inform the decisions you make about your data. And so you can't just say, oh, well, we need to modernize our organization so we'll get the same technologies that I know all of the other companies around us are using and we'll just implement them and everything will be up to date and we'll be fine. You really have to think about what is your individual use case. So once you have this data, what are you going to do with it? What questions are you going to try to answer with it? And the, that will help you drive your decision-making processes about how you decide to store it, how you decide to access it, who's going to have access to it, do you need controls for privacy? All of those things will come out of your use case. Thank you, Professor Waterman. Have a great day. All right, you too. Take care.